Welcome to the Legally Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Hanna. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Troy Atkin. Troy is a trainee solicitor at Bisco Solicitors and national level powerlifter, taking third place at the British Bench Competition 2022 and 2021. Troy documents his fitness and mental health journey on his popular Instagram page, the underscore weightlifting underscore lawyer. So a very, very warm welcome, Troy. Thank you so much. Thank you for the kind welcome. And it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, Troy. And before we dive into everything that you're getting up to within the uh, the legal community, um, we do have our customary icebreaker question here on the Legally Seeking podcast, which is, on the scale of 1 to 10, 10 being very real, how real would you rate the reality hit TV series Suits? Um, ooh, what a question. Um, probably six and a half six and a half okay and do you want to sort of justify your six and a half or should we move swiftly on um i i think in the sense that um sometimes when harvey kind of strolls into opposition firms uh and demands to settle there and then that's probably whilst we all would like to uh, have that scenario happen it's not that realistic but in terms of day-to-day office life there are some kind of similar dynamics that i can certainly relate to yeah absolutely well said and uh, you're looking as slick as harvey specter today it has to be said troy so uh, it's really great to to see so let's start at the beginning tell us a bit about your background and why you decided to pursue a career in the law yes so um i entered the legal profession um a little later than maybe uh you know one would expect um i was around 24 25 uh, when i kind of got back into university um, and i started my law degree um previous to that i had a uh, an experience in uh, hospitality retail um mainly client facing customer based roles um but i'd always from a very very young age i've always wanted to qualify as a barrister um i think from a young age i always liked seeing you know the people in wigs and silks stand up and advocate and almost it sounds a little bit uh, cliche but uh, be that voice of justice for people um, i've always felt strongly um, to kind of put myself in the way of others when they weren't able to do so themselves um, but it was only until a little later into my 20s where i kind of took the steps to um, pursue that law degree uh, and continue that path yeah what a path you have been on it has to be said troy so you are currently a trainee solicitor at bisco solicitors which is awesome and you're currently in your second seat in the corporate department i believe Correct. what have been your experiences to date um well i think i'm at uh, i'm almost at probably the most optimal training facility for a solicitor to be at because we are you know we're a regional firm um you know managed by an absolutely wonderful md alison lee um but the the main the key element for me is um and and i you know i'm open about this i'm quite difficult to manage in terms of if i'm (laughs) if i'm micromanaged there's probably you're probably not going to get the best out of me now that's not to say that you know i'm not uh, a team player or anything like that but um, i believe that if you just kind of let me do what i'm able to do i can provide my value to the team that way and i'm in an environment where um the supervision is is unbelievable here uh, it's very supportive the the guidance 
experience that you get is is fantastic but in the same breath you're trusted you're you know you're not micromanaged as you may may be in other firms um, and i've worked at a number of other firms where maybe that may be the case so to come to this firm and almost it's the per in my opinion it's the perfect place to train i have um i have quite a large client list i've got a quite a large matter list already um which i've accumulated which has allowed uh, me to you know not only bring a fee to the team but also accumulate testimonials return clients and build that rapport up with clients myself um so i think it's been a wonderful experience so far um and i'm looking forward to to the rest of my training contract yeah, and I, I love that you picked up on there the sort of the people element and the rapport. Because I always say rapport wins the war in any industry. You know, the better that you can build those human relationships, those connections, the the better you're going to have a, a long lasting, fruitful working relationship. So let's stick with your, your training contract, because when you started, you were in commercial property, I believe. So what did you enjoy most about that seat? Um well, I think, you know, it's ironic that um, my, my least favorite subjects in law school were anything property or land related. Um, and I always thought I wanted to be a company lawyer. Um, commercial property, well, first and foremost, I really enjoy, again, it's a little bit of a cliche answer, but I enjoy learning new things. I enjoy facing new challenges and I enjoy trying to um, overcome obstacles that I might never had not had the opportunity to overcome before. Um, so that <coughs> afforded me the environment to do that. I think from a from a practical perspective, it also kind of gave me the confidence that maybe if I was not academically um, as brilliant at something as maybe others were, well, in practice, it's a completely different ball game. So that was the first experience of um, it's different in practice to academia to me. And it, and it really kind of filled me with confidence knowing that, okay, well, just because I might not have been able to do an exam to a very high standard on it, but I can actually practice to a very high standard because you're right, Rob, it's completely personal. It's making those personal connections, albeit business corporate commercial connections in property um, <clears throat> but it's making that rapport and building those relationships where you know you're dealing with a lot of money in these transactions and it's all about trust and if you build that rapport up then that you know almost the transactional part of of, of commercial property becomes secondary it's all it's almost it's, it's extremely important that you understand the transactional part of course because you need to know the law and that's fine but to be to, to to kind of have that law as secondary and almost second nature to you and putting the client first and their needs their goals what are they trying to achieve that i found that really really interesting and, and, a, and a good challenge yeah, and it's it's so true because I think knowing the law is a given. You can go, you know, you'd hope for anyone who's qualifying or qualified, that's a given. It's like, what gives you that edge? Yes. And I think that is definitely something, you know, for people listening in, the more you focus on the end delivery person of the client and they're, you know, they're a human, they're a person, they have needs, you know, actually have that rapport, the more you will get out of those relationships, that's for sure. So I'd like to talk a little bit about mindsets. I know it's something you, you talk a lot about, Troy, as well. What does it mean to have an elite mindset within the law? Um, it, it, within the law, it's it's quite simple. And I think it's when everyone else stops and you continue, that is that is an elite mindset. It's quite simple as, as that. Um, and, I, and I think you can have that mindset to, to everything. 
and I don't I try not to just apply it specifically to certain things because I just try and have it as a blanket approach to everything I face um, so for example I'm sure we'll talk about it later but my lifting and, and maybe my mental health struggles um, I approach everything the same way it's in a logical fashion so how do, how do I approach a, an elite mindset within the law well I keep things extremely simple the main thing is to not forget what is what are the client's aims what are their goals and how am i going to achieve that and to, to you know incorporate an elite mindset into that it's 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 quite simple for me and it's don't try not to get too overwhelmed try to understand that you know at times you may feel out of your depth there is the phrase of imposter syndrome that flies around every now and then um but i think it's important to to understand that um you know, we're in this position because somehow along the way, we were good enough to get here. It's not, you don't get to this stage just by luck. Um, you, you, you know, you may get to law school and, you know, on a whim or whatever, but there are lots of hurdles that we've had to overcome to get to this stage. And it's so important to, to kind of take a step out of that um, entitled lawyer bubble that we are often found trapped in and just kind of really just see how far we've come. And I think that's where an elite mindset is born from. It's it's understanding the struggles that you had to get here, but also the realization that you are here and let's just put everything negative to one side and then let's just move forward with purpose, move forward with that belief and move forward to, to win, to win for your client. Yeah. I love that. I love the way you describe that in terms of, you know, when everyone stops, you keep going. Because it's so true. And I love what you talk with, with such clarity as well, you know, about keeping it simple. I always say in anything in life and anything in business, use the KISS approach, mm. keep it stupid simple. I think it's really, really straightforward because ultimately, if you confuse them, you'll lose them. And I think that's very, very true in, in, in business. People want clarity. They want simplicity. They want to be able to understand. They want to digest. And also that's what builds the trust. So mm. I love that you're talking about that. And you did touch on your powerlifting there, Troy. <laughs> so interestingly, you are a national level powerlifter. And I believe you took third place at the British competition 2022 and 2021 competitions. So congratulations on that amazing achievement. I know there's a lot that goes into that. What inspired you to start training? Um, I, I think initially watching my one of my best friends powerlift um, and being in that environment, watching him compete, um, and I just quite simply again just wanted to be a part of it. Um, and you know, one of my traits is believing that I can do anything that anyone else can. Um, so you know, as in powerlifting, I thought I'd love to give this a go. Um, and I think I started powerlifting the same time in which my mental health journey kind of really kick-started and it, and it afforded me initially a routine um, you know I would train every day at this time and I would have a set routine I would be coached and I would you know train a specific thing each week and I would I have always said I am probably the most competitive person you will ever meet in your life to the point where if you say oh I know someone else I will try and prove that I'm more competitive than them so by ne by that nature I fell into competing and I absolutely loved it and and I think not only the strength gains that I've I, I've you know obtained from lifting but the mental fortitude and strength that I've got has been unbelievable. 
in my mind, if I can wake up at seven, well, sorry, not 7 a.m., sometimes 5 a.m., 6 a.m., sometimes even 3 a.m., if I can wake up at those times and train for three hours on my own, sometimes failing, sometimes, you know, not hitting the reps, maybe sometimes being a little too overweight for what my competition needs and things like that, if I can overcome that, then I can do absolutely anything. So that's part of the reason why I love lifting. It's not just the strength and the, uh, you know, the composition and the changes in your body that you see, but it's it's in here, it's in your mind what it does to you because it makes you feel like you can overcome anything. Oh, I love that, Troy. Yeah, and it's, it's it's discipline, isn't it? And it's habits, and those those habits become sort of you know consistent, consistent. And like you say, the three a.m.s, the five a.m.s, the six a.m.s, the seven a.m.s, it, it all becomes possible because you're creating those sort of positive habits. And and that leads nicely on to your documenting of your of your weightlifting journey because you do that via your Instagram page, which is hugely successful. So it's the underscore weightlifting underscore lawyer for folks. Definitely go and check it out. You can't miss it. It already has over seven. 17,000 followers. So can you tell us a bit more about your online platform and what sort of content you produce? Yeah, so uh, my my platform started as, as accountability for what I was doing. I wanted a space where um, I could just post my lifts. I love watching anyone of any level lift and it brings me great joy to see anyone of any level lift because I know the happiness it gives me and seeing it, you know, potentially that happen to someone else is an unbelievable feeling. So from the from the get-go, I started uh, my account just to document that. Um, I think, you know, I built up quite a quick following anyway because of lifting. Um, and then I, I, I saw a good platform opportunity to um, just be open about what I've been through. Uh, and why maybe I started um, trying to have that routine of, of lifting and, and what have you. And that's when the mental health element came into it. So I decided that um, if I was going to do this, I was going to be different to maybe other social media um sites similar to mine in that I would try and provide as an authentic approach as I could. I would try and provide a non, I call it a no BS approach to life. That's that's my way of kind of marketing what I am. Um, there's no kind of frills. There's no, um, I, I give you all the best of me, but I also give you the worst as well. Not because for any reason other than I want people to know that even people that are deemed to be successful or people that look like they lift heavy weights. Well, guess what? We have our dark moments as well and it's okay to go through them. And I am unapologetic in showing people that I go through my vulnerabilities. And if you are doing that as well, maybe people can take some semblance of hope as I once did when I looked at accounts similar to mine and say, you know what? this is not the end. I can keep going. I can find some strength from what he's saying or what he's doing. And I can take that, put it, put the little be best bits of it in, into what I'm doing and move forward and hopefully in a positive way. Yeah. And I, I love how you, you've articulated that because you, you're being your true authentic self. You're, you're showing the 360 you. And I think that's that's important online because you don't just want to necessarily show, show, show the highlights. You want to show that vulnerability and, you know, let people in and, you know, let people know that maybe you have some 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 tough days because we all do. We're all human at the end of the day, my, myself included. And, you know, I stand by if it doesn't break you or make you. And I think it's so, so true. And you're a very strong advocate for, for trying to creating a positive mindset. Time for a quick break from the show. 
Are you a legal aid practitioner in England and Wales, specializing in civil or criminal legal aid matters? If you are, this message is for you. As a legal aid solicitor, you don't have time to waste on legal aid case management software that doesn't work to your needs. That's why Clio has developed a quicker, more accurate and affordable solution for legal aid solicitors in England and Wales. It could save you hours in your month, particularly when it comes to end of month invoicing and claims to the legal aid agency. To see how it all works, visit clio.com forward slash UK forward slash legal aid. That's Clio, C-L-I-O dot com forward slash UK forward slash legal aid. Now back to the show. And on the Instagram page, you are a strong advocate for mental health. I know we've touched on this, but I want to dive a bit deeper. Why is mental health so important to you? Mental health is, is so important to me because, you know, I think like many of us, I've had a firsthand account of how bad it can be. Um, you know, I, I think the phrase rock bottom has thrown around a few times. I personally do not believe rock bottom exists because I believe it's a concept that we've made up to convince ourselves that we're ar- about to, to, to finish something and that something might be going through mental health issues. Um, the point that I say that is because I'm a big advocate of sharing everything I've gone through to show that the only way out of it, in my opinion, is to be accountable to yourself and to really kind of try and take a look at where you're at and understanding whether that's through whatever mediums you might take, why you're in that position and what the best way forward is. It took me a very long time to learn that. Um, part of me as well, something that I, um, I'm not, not, I'm not private about, but it's something I don't really kind of scream about, but I became sober nearly three and a half years ago. So that was part of my mental health journey as well. It was a culmination of, you know, going through a, a dark stage in my life. And I decided that the only way forward for me would be to start taking positive steps. Those positive steps for me were to, to giving up going out drinking with my friends or drinking whenever um, and also to get, to give up other things like cigarettes and try and just leave lead a healthier lifestyle so that's that's part of what I also show on my Instagram and and, and some people it's uh, it's a taboo you know, oh you don't drink oh you don't drink in law as well um, you know in, in a profession that's renowned for its frivolity shall we say um, you know I I try and lead as clean a lifestyle as I can. And that's why it's so important to me to have the mindset that I'm trying to create because I am unmoved in my principles of where I'm at as a person. There is not one person in this world that can, you know, make me change my path and where I'm going. And I want to show people that, okay, well, you know what? I had some issues, but that's fine. It doesn't mean I'm not a success. It doesn't mean I'm not valuable as a person. It doesn't mean I'm not valuable as an asset to a business, importantly. And it, most importantly, it doesn't mean I can't do the best job for my clients. If anything, I'm crisp, I'm clean, I'm ready to go 24-7. Um, you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm of clear mind all the time and I'm in a fantastic mental space. Now, that's not to say I don't go through some obstacles because we all do but the point being is when i go through those obstacles i'm transparent with them or as transparent as i can be 
Yeah, and, and and congratulations on on you know the the three and a half years and you know making that choice for you. You know that's mm. the right decision for you. And then you talked also about sort of accountability and holding yourself accountable. And I, and I always say, I think I've said this a few times on the show. You know, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. You have to take that self accountability. And I love how you've done that for yourself. And then you're also trying to share and provide you know resources through your Instagram handle and everything you do through your talks and so forth to to encourage more people to maybe take that step to. To, to basically put themselves in a happier place. So really, really well done on everything you're doing. And you Thank talked you. about the legal industry more broadly there. And so why do you think mental health is becoming something more <clears throat> prevalent in the legal industry? Um, quite simply because it's treated like a tick box exercise. Yeah. Um, that is that is the simple answer. Uh, and whilst it's my opinion, I truly believe that is the reason why. I think the use of social media and how accessible things are now, firms, especially bigger firms, have to be shown to be part of this inclusive, diverse, mental health, progressive nature. And I think because of that, because everything's being rushed, nothing, no care has been taken. So therefore, things by virtue of that become a tick box exercise. There are no real kind of research into the scientific reasons why employees might feel a certain way, or there's no kind of, uh, you know, asking employees, I think that's the most important thing, asking the employees, why are you feeling a certain way? Um, but I think it also, it all comes down to the fact that the legal industry, it's, it's a money maker. It's a, it's a conveyor belt of cash. And if you don't make money, you're, you're out. It's simple as that. It doesn't matter what business you're in or what law firm you're in. Um, if you can't, if you're not a valuable asset, I true, I strongly believe this. It doesn't matter how inclusive or diverse or, you know, mentally, commercially, mentally aware you are. Um, you won't have a place in that business. And I think, do I think it's ever going to change? I don't think it will, because as long as the money's being made at the top of the game, then it's never going to drip down to the bottom. And I think at this moment in time, you've got some absolutely fantastic advocates of inclusivity, mental health, and, and all those other things that are really important to think about. Um, and, and they're almost, you know, trying to push their way up. And then you have the middle of the legal industry where they're happy to just do the long hours quietly, suffer in silence. You've almost got your set in your ways, people who take the, maybe take the trainee salary for 150k for, you know, working 18 hour days and completely losing their minds by the time that they qualify. So, you know, that's a, a long winded answer, but the short of it is, I just think that the people at the top don't care. Yeah, and look, I think it's 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 good that we have opinions and people that that have strong beliefs about that because, you know, it's very easy to say, you know, firms should put people before profits, which I'm a massive advocate for because I think, you know, a happier workforce that trickles down to a far greater bottom line. But, you know, ultimately, if law firms continue to be at the mercy of their clients and putting their clients ahead of their people, then the culture, unfortunately, will never change because if the clients are demanding or there's no vetting of said clients and they're happy to take on those demanding clients, then unfortunately, like you said, that trickle down effect does take place. 
But, you know, there are people pushing for change. And I know we've had, for example, Jessica Hansen, who's come onto the show, who does a great job with CEL solicitors and, and really does put her people first. And Jody Hill at Thrive Law and all of these other sort of emerging, you know, strong law firms that really are at the heart of sort of, you know, inclusion people. And I think we need more voices like that to really promote this, that, you know, it's a change for good. It's not just a case of, you know, oh, it's soft because you're not doing those amounts of hours or, you know, we're not making X amount. I think ultimately you just need to look currently at the dropout rates of the mid-level associate market and why people aren't staying or being retained within the industry is because things currently aren't quite as sustainable as they could be. And with that, that leads nicely onto my next point, Troy, about balance. You know, how do you balance this fitness training that you do alongside your commitments as a trainee? And do you think fitness training has taught you anything that you could apply to your legal practice? Yeah, absolutely, Robin. And just just before I answer that question, I'd just like to give a quick shout out to Jessica because when I, before I was trying to get my training, con- before I secured my training contract here, Jessica allowed me to have calls with her, and she she gave me so much advice before. You know, I, I'd never even met her, and now I've known her for a year, a couple of years. And and Jody's been the same. Jody offered me some work experience when I was in a real place of need. So just to kind of. Um, qualify my quote it's we have some real game changers in here and really fierce game changers and it's yeah. we're in a good place um the point the point making is it's we're we're battling for something that i don't think should be a battle uh because i think it should be a given however we've got the people that are definitely up for the fight and people that i would 100 percent follow and you know be led by because the people that you've mentioned amongst others i'd also like to give a shout out to my md alison lee who is amongst those game changers as well you know she's she's a woman in law for over 30 years leads her own firm you know built this company up she's a fantastic role model not just for women but for everyone in the firm um so i just wanted to just sorry to go off on a tangent but i think it's important to kind of give those a shout out no, I think it's it's really important to recognise people that are doing great things within the the industry, and it's it's great that you know people that have been on the show are you know are, are sort of widely well received within the the legal community. So you know, I appreciate you shouting that out. So, did you want to to share anything in terms of that sort of balancing with fitness training alongside obviously a trainee? And is there anything within the fitness training that's helped you apply to your legal practice? Yes. Yeah, so um, one of my many inspirations of lifting is like many is Arnold Schwarzenegger. And, you know, something that Big Arnold said was there are 24 hours in the day. Uh, you know, you've got to make time for it. If you want to do it, you make time for it. It's as simple as that. So lifting to me is non-negotiable. I will do, I will lift every day or I will at least go to the gym every day. Um, but it's about time management and prioritizing um, what, what you're trying to do. So, um, you know, I think, how do I balance that? Well, I'm very lucky that I'm in a place which allows me to, for example, I'm very flexible in when I, when I can work. So therefore, if I'm coming up to a competition, my hours may change um, in terms of I'm allowed to leave a little earlier, maybe start a little earlier so I can go and train at a suitable time and get the rest that, that I need. I think in terms of transferable skills, I've had some real, really kind of great chats about this in the past with other people and i believe that lifting and law are very much the same 
They're a competitive, brutal, ruthless environment, but they're also very giving and you, you get out of it what you put in. And it's almost, it's, uh, you know, it, it says what it is on the tin. If you go into lifting and you can't lift it, there's no excuse, no other reason. You just can't, you're just not strong enough. So you need to go back to the drawing board, find out why, be accountable. And then you can go back with another plan. And I think law is the same. I think notwithstanding those kind of mental mindset points, it also gives you discipline. It allows you um, motivation, confidence, all these kind of buzzwords that are really relevant to both lifting and law. Yeah, no, really, really well said. And I love how you're able to, you know, combine a passion with your career and use the best of those to to really push yourself forward. So thanks for sharing that. And let's move to sort of volunteering, because as a first volunteer, I believe for SCAM Champions, which is for the Hampshire, I believe, County Council, you've advised the community on how best to safeguard against scams and fraud, which let's be honest, are everywhere right now, particularly with the emergence of Web3 and NFTs and everything else that's going on. So as technology progresses, what is the importance of protecting yourself in the digital world? Well, I think, you know, it speaks for itself, really. If you put yourself online nowadays, you really put yourself at risk in your entirety. And my focus is not really on, you know, able-bodied professionals who, you know, are able to access things in which they can protect themselves with. My focus is on helping community primarily elderly members of the community um, that being said anyone can be scammed unfortunately um, but elderly members of the community in which they don't have access to the readiness of materials that we do in terms of how we can protect ourselves because now we know x y and z at the click of a button so i think volunteering in that respect is is fundamental having someone like you know like yourself or like you know, maybe someone like me going in and just speaking about what's going on in the world right now. And it's bringing that awareness, isn't it? It's bringing that awareness so that people can perceive that in whichever way they wish, but also to say, well, here's the awareness, but also here's the safeguard. So if you need that support, we can provide that to you. And it's, you know, in my scam champion days for Hampshire County Council, or whether it was at Citizens Advice providing um, initial case handling advice, there um, whatever that volunteering is it is all based on assisting people who maybe don't have normal access to that help yeah no and I, I commend you for all the work that you have you have done there and, and continue to do particularly from a volunteering and pro bono perspective so i think it's so important not only to give back but give back with a purpose where you can help people who really need it and so you mentioned before you've had lots of work experiences and you previously worked as a litigation paralegal for blake morgan llp what responsibilities were you given there and was this similar to what you do now as a trainee <laughs> um so yeah i really enjoyed my time at blake morgan um I was a litigation paralegal there. Um, I was in the landlord and tenant tenancy uh, department, and it was an experience, is what I'd say. There was there was three of us at the time. Um, we were, you know, very renowned. We were a tier one uh, department, so obviously by virtue of that, we had a lot of clients because our reputation preceded us. Um, what I always say to people is. Um, almost similar to Gordon Ramsay when he used to describe his days in France. He got his proverbial handed to him daily. Um, and I think that really shaped me as a, as a young junior lawyer because the caseload was immense. 
and you had to, as a tier one, provide that elite service every single email that you sent, every phone call you took, you know, every letter you sent, it had to be immaculate. Um, and you had to do that hundreds of times over the day, whilst also looking at preparing bundles, uh, you know, also looking at going to court and what have you. Um, so we worked primarily for the landlords um, and, and we were essentially recovering possession of rent or um, properties and, and things like that. And it really gave me a good understanding of not just that sp particular part of the law, but also the necessity of keeping up with the changes in the law. And at the time, going through coronavirus, the Landlord and Tenants Act had been amended and changed to obviously afford the tenants more protection for loss of income, etc., um, and also protection in terms of um, having their homes repossessed through COVID through no fault of their own. So I really enjoyed the part of, of that uh, experience in terms of trying to keep up with the law and all the changes and keeping it relevant because it was quite simply at one time, the letter that we sent one day could be, you know, could have been completely different if we sent on another because the law had almost been changed overnight. So that was something that I was really kind of keen to um, hone my skill in on that research. And how, how can I apply it to trainee life? Well, I think as a trainee, you are obviously you have that pressure of, you know, as I said, I'm lucky that I've got my own large caseload, uh, but I also support other lawyers in the team as, as is your duty as a trainee it's to make your boss's life easier essentially um and how you know i can i can apply my time at blake morgan because i truly believe that nothing can get as busy or as pressured as my time there in in my training contract right now i think as a as a solicitor you're more you're, you're allowed the time to be more elegant in your delivery of your approach to ma each matter. I think in terms of maybe as a paralegal or wherever you're at in that kind of section of law, it's a bit more, it's, you know, it's a little bit more fast paced and you're expected to be a lot more reactive. Whereas as a solicitor, there's obviously more focus on keeping it simple keeping it calm and just keeping it really what are the client's needs. So there are a lot of kind of uh, crossovers, but the main one for me is that it's enabled me to understand that I am good under pressure. Yeah, well, good for you. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad you built up that strong work experience because clearly it's helped you get to where you are today. And uh, I believe you are also a McKenzie friend, so a volunteer for NCDV. Can you explain briefly what was that involving? Yep. So I volunteered uh, for the National Centre of Domestic Violence um, and that involved um, essentially uh, case handling, um, unfortunate, you know, unfortunately some horrific um, cases that I was involved in. And, and it was, you know, the McKenzie friend comes as, as a, as a later part of my role. And my first part of the role was to um, help victims of you know, crime, sexual crime and, and, and that kind of, you know, sexual violence um, to formulate court documents in a coherent way, to draft documents in a way in which the ju a judge would expect. And that was part of my initial role was essentially to ensure that um, there was a, a clear and coherent case to go towards for the court. The second part as a McKenzie friend was um, offering to almost, you know, you're, you're a litigant's friend, you go to court with the 
with the client um, and you essentially the main role is to put them at put them at ease of the day it's a very very overwhelming and emotional experience understandably for them and your role is to be that support for them that support if they didn't understand maybe why a judge might have said something you could obviously not in while you're in the hearing but you know afterwards you could clearly explain it to them you could walk them through and and, and at the beginning of each day um each time i was a mckenzie friend you would just simply just as i said everything's kept simple explain the process of the court what will they expect from you just down to what what do you address the judge as and things like that um because that's obviously they they might not think about that again understandably but just to kind of just be that support in any which way you can yeah and again i i tip my hat to you for everything that you have done to really give back and i thoroughly enjoyed the the conversation today troy and finally before we wrap up what quick tips would you give to aspiring lawyers wanting to secure any form of legal work experience um well i've only got a, one piece of advice and it's very very simple be confident and get yourself out there um i think most employers are looking for someone who thinks outside the box someone that shows initiative someone that shows that they have the capacity to go outside the box to find a solution so the best piece of advice i can give to you is you are wanting to be a lawyer lawyers solve problems you have a problem find a solution uh, I love that, Troy. Absolutely love that. So uh, if people want to follow you or get in touch about anything we've discussed today, which I'm sure they will, what's the best way for them to contact you? Feel free to re-shout out your social media handles and website links, and we'll also share them with this episode for you too. Yep. So um, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Troy Atkin. Um, feel free to connect with me. Um, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm more than happy to accept messages from aspiring solicitors, students there. Um, also, I'm on Instagram um, at the underscore weightlifting underscore lawyer. Um, so feel again, feel free to drop me a follow. And if you do drop me a follow on either, just uh, say hello. And um, hopefully we can connect and maybe build a build a business relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks ever so much, Troy. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Really enjoyed today's discussion. So wishing you lots of continued success with your legal career and wider pursuits. And uh, I look forward to seeing you as a national and international champion soon in the powerlifting scenes. But for all of us on the show for now, over and out. This week's review comes from Karis1991. Great podcast for lawyers and law students. One of my favorite podcasts. Rob does a great job bringing on some of the most interesting people in the legal industry. Thank you so much, Karis, for your lovely, kind words. We really appreciate you and all your support from all of us on the Levy Speaking Podcast. Thanks a million.